Welcome to the local seven two four podcast in three two one. Yo, what is up? Local podcast, two days in a row. Whoa. What is happening? Live two days in a row. That's because <laughs> we've been gone for so long. I need to hit it hard. I like to travel. <laughs> Can't always afford to travel, but I still like to do it. Uh, so today, in studio, we have a guest, uh, Arthur Martinuska. How are you, sir? Pretty good, guys. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good, man. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I... I have your bio and everything, but I feel like I want to. I want to hear it come from you. It was really morbid, wasn't it? I didn't know how to write it. <laughs> no, That's no. The first one I, I ever had to write. <laughs> I, it's very interesting, honestly, because like I sent it to Ryan, and then like back and forth, we were just like, "Man, this sounds like really interesting." Like I, my, let me give you a real quick, uh, you know, preface here. My sister uh, is also an addict, uh, recovering. She's been clean for, I think, almost, this will be five years for her. That's what's up. She was on the show. Uh, it was probably one of my deepest episodes of all time. <laughs> um, very in, insane stuff. So that's, that's no, uh, nothing new to this show. So um, not morbid. Very, <laughs> very cool. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. Um... Well, December 13th, I will have three years clean. Uh, I used heroin for over 11 years, you know, yeah. shot it up. It was a nightmare. And I got out, and it's literally the world decided to shut down that January. And right. <laughs> I always joke that I had to, you know, the world had to end for me to get clean. So <laughs> there you go. Was. COVID hit, and boom, <laughs> I'm here now. Look at that. But uh, <laughs> um. I just started doing it, and people started picking up on the writing on Facebook, and I had people reach out to me, and that meant a lot. So I kind of continued to do it, and it's something I enjoy, so I kind of wanted to see where it would go. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. I put my first book out a couple months ago. I'm working on the second one, finishing it up. I keep adding to it because I'm a glutton for punishment instead of just finishing it off, you know. Right. As an artist. Yeah. Never never satisfied. Exactly. I consider what I do a bullshit art. I bullshit here, I bullshit there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it is an art. Now, I have... That's what we right. do here. These are... It's poetry mostly that you write? Uh, a little bit of everything. Uh, the first two books, yes, will be poetry because it was supposed to be one. And I gave myself a time frame, which is a mistake because I am my mother's child and I procrastinate. So I am finishing the second one. But like I said, I keep adding to it. But short stories, I have a bunch of those started that are going to be all compiled into one. And uh, like I said, just want to see where it goes from there. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Thank you. So what? I guess what, uh, what made you decide that uh, you were going to take all of that energy and put it into writing. What about writing really turned you on? Um, it was a world I knew, you know what I mean? Yep. Especially with the drugs. Like the, the first book's actually called uh, Punk Rock Poetry for a Junkie Generation. Nice. Um, so it like I figured for once, make it work for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's what I know. Um, and I was in a band growing up, so writing's always kind of been there. So okay. I just kind of switched it from songs that try to go together to free verse and just like I said, kind of piled to what it is now. Yeah. <laughs> what so like what's the theme? Are you um, are you speaking to a particular generation or are you sort of telling your own story in this? A little bit of both. Uh, 
I think my story is pretty general anymore for what America has become. You know what I mean? Right. We are that broken generation. You know, I was raised, love my mom to death, but mainly by my grandmother. You know what I mean? And I know what it's like to watch my family struggle, decide, do I'm going to go get groceries or are we picking up these pharmacy pills? And it's not just my story. Like addiction itself is like that Christmas present you get from your aunt that's sitting in the back of the closet. Every family has that shit. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They don't talk about it, but they have it. So in general, it's my stories and like just, you know, for everyone else who can kind of relate, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's cool. It's wild. Uh, like I said, my sister, uh, Jill, I don't know if you know her. Her name is Jillian Hauser. Sounds um, familiar. <laughs> yeah. She, uh, right now, she's working as a counselor so she she counsels um folks with the same issues and uh you know it's it's something that she really needed to do because it really kind of stays with her every single day and and holds her accountable and i get that actually that whole mindset behind that for the yeah. fact that like uh you give back because they mm -hmm. say like in recovery to keep what you have you have to give it away yeah. You know what I mean? And that's actually very true. Like you you can hold all the you know, tools to do better for yourself, but at the end of the day, if you're not passing that on, it starts to eat at you, you know what I yeah. mean? And she made it work for her in her way, you know what yeah. I mean? And I believe like I've been in two different rehabs. Thank God, I'm lucky, you know, people say it takes more than that to mm -hmm. catch the program. So I count myself lucky in that. But uh, there's counselors who just know the books. They went to school. They never lived addiction. And you can tell the difference between people who have lived it and got that counselor job or people who just went to school for it. And to have your sister's passion, to me, that makes it all the more real. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can, when you're in places like that, connect to counselors better like that because they, they understand you a little bit more. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was always kind of weird because I... It, I guess it just kind of made more sense to me thinking like keep her away from that life and that would make more sense. Do you know what I mean? And then, but what is making her better is having her still be around that because of what you just said. Absence you know? makes the heart grow fonder. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. And uh, like, that's why people don't get it. Like the first time they go to rehab, cause they usually go to appease people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing oh, this yeah. for my kids. And yeah. that's not the way to do it. You know what I mean? The second rehab I went to, I'm not going to drop names, but it was a joke. You yeah. know what I mean? A joke. Christmas day, people got like 25 people got thrown out. You know what I mean? Oh, they were smoking, passing some boxes around. It was horrible. You know what I mean? But like it worked for me because I wanted to be there that time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, you said that you started quitting when the pandemic happened? Yeah. <laughs> so is that because you were just stuck inside? Is that how, no. how did that come about? Actually, believe it or not, my whole last year of addiction, I was homeless, like living in abandoned houses, squatting on porches. It was bad all winter, wow. a whole year. But uh, my buddy called and he's like, if I could get you a bed, would you go? And I was like, yeah, whatever. Well, the day I was supposed to go, he showed up, left me his cell phone. I was like, this dude's really making an effort. I'll put my effort in. And I went, and when I got there, so I'm just kind of like, they say you have a moment of clarity, and mm -hmm. it like, kind of like snapped in me. And I was like, ah, oh, well, you know what? If I can get through this now, let me do two months and see what I can do. And then, you know, just kept working from that. Like, it's little goals, you know? Sometimes they say it's day by day. It's true like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Wow, so, so when the world opened back up, was that more of a struggle? Um, believe it or not, uh, at that point, I was already in a place, like my own house, my own place. Um, I had my first car, because I haven't driven. This is actually the first time I've ever driven in my life. 
So um, I had a car, and it just I've seen what my life could become if I just did something as simple as the things I was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And that was enough to, like, just keep me going, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't really a struggle. I, it sucks because I do work with people who use, I see it, you know, they're not, like, them physically using, but, you know, the symptoms on them. And, like, I figured that would be a struggle, but after a while you kind of just be like, you know what, I get where they're at. I'm not there. I'll lend an ear or a hand, you know what I mean? But yeah. you can't really focus on things like that because you got to work on your own building. Yeah. You know? It's interesting, man. Just the the fact that you had the, uh, you know, the clarity, I guess, when your buddy dropped that cell phone off for you to, to sit there and say, like, oh, he's putting in some effort. I'll put in my effort. Like, that yeah. doesn't sound like something that everybody in your position would have been able to do. He was a good dude. Uh, actually, when I got out, I had to go back to being homeless for the first month because I, yeah. <laughs> I asked a family member for help, and they were going to send me out of state. And I was like, no, nah, that's not feasible. The people mm-hmm. I love are here. So, and kind of like I got myself into this mess, I'll get myself out kind of attitude. Yeah. So I went back to being homeless for about a month until I could save money. And then I got my own place, and I've been there since. But uh, I think the mental attitude aspect of it all, like that's what trips a lot of people up because they think it's so overwhelming. And it's literally just as simple as doing the things you're supposed to be doing, and you'll thrive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think the episode that you did with your sister was one of, if not the most watched or most interacted with yeah. episodes. And I think there's something to that because there's a lot of people who probably – struggle with different things to different degrees, but not all the time do they get to hear about people's experiences and how they got through that and what they're experiencing right now. You know, it's really important to be able to talk about this and say, hey, it wasn't just easy for me. I had to make the decision to to do this not once, but twice or maybe more for other people. That's not easy. Oh, no, not at all. And uh, they say the first steps you got to admit you have a problem. And that for a lot of people is the biggest problem. You know what I mean? Because they're like, oh, I can, I'm managing. I'm, I'm you know, the, uh, what's that famous line? A functioning addict. Right, yeah. That line's bullshit. You know what I mean? You might think you're functioning, but you're not. You're maintaining. You know what I mean? And with, at least with opiates, addiction that actually gets to that point where you're not even paying to get high or off or whatever you want to call it. You're just paying to be sober. You know what I mean? And it's horrible. It's, yeah. You know what I mean? And a whole generation with, you know, big pharma pushing pills on people. And it's just, it's a nightmare out there, you know? Yeah. I couldn't imagine, man. I never, I never got into any of it. Um, That's it a blessing. Just, yeah. yeah. It was, it was wild to watch my sister just kind of get into that life. And then, you know, I'd hear some things. I was away at college, so I would like hear some things and then. I would come home and I would see my sister and she was like as skinny as like a a stop sign post. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like what happened? And then like, you know, I wouldn't see her again for a couple months and then I'd hear some more shit. And it was just like, what is happening? And you know, it sucked. But after, you know, a bunch of time of this happening, years and years of this happening, you start to kind of, realized that like uh, at some point I'm going to get a phone call from my mom that you know Jill's going to be dead I mean and you accept that at some point and it's so weird and it's so like terrible to say that you just expect it to happen but you do and it's like it's awful and uh, the fact that it didn't happen 
is like the greatest thing ever. Um, but I'm, I'm surprised. I mean, she went through a ton of shit. That podcast was crazy. Like I learned things that I could never believe that she went through like things that happened during her addiction, people she was hanging out with, things that she saw, things that happened to her, you know, people beating the shit out of her all the time, guys knocking her fucking teeth out. Damn. Like, crazy stuff, man. It was it was wild to listen to. And that's the scary part about it. You're out on the fringes, so, like, you know, people you think are going to be your friends are the first ones to stab you in the back, you know what I mean? Right. But, yeah, in, as in an act of addiction, you don't even, like, think about what you're doing. You just go do it. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, I won't feel sick in 20 minutes. I'm going to go mm -hmm. rob this little old lady or, you know, we're going to go rob this store. And you have no – you don't care. There's no thought process after that. You're just – it's one thing. You know what I mean? You don't think, oh, if I get caught, I'm going to go to jail and it goes the rest of my life. No, right. that's the last thing. You're like, oh, I'll get out. I'll have a fine. I won't pay it. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Well, I think you know, the, the war on drugs and everything made anybody who dabbled with any of it, I think there was a negative stigma on those individuals. And so when you see somebody who, who's battling with, you know, what I would call a disease or some sort of serious mental situation to have to keep going back to that, I, I think people didn't know how to deal with it. And they just instantly said, oh, that, that's a bad person or that's a felon or, you know, whatever. They just threw out these negative connotations. And it wasn't until I think recently, hopefully recently, that we're starting to see, actually, this is something that needs treatment. Let's not look at what's, what the person's doing, but let's look at who the person is and how do we treat the person and not just, like, you mentioned at the beginning, Jordan, like, um, you know, it's, it's not about keeping them just away from from mm -hmm. drug use or whatever yeah. but but really we find more therapy and facing that counseling other individuals of how to stay away from it because it holds two parties accountable so it's different right. methods of dealing with that kind of thing and uh they say it is you know uh dual diagnosis is a very big part of it you know what i mean like, can you separate the addiction from the mental aspect was this person mentally ill before the drugs or did the drugs induce that so that is i like how they are taking that as a step into recovery but as well, when you said something about the war on drugs, it it was lost. It was if they focused on the wrong wrong things, like in dare class. Did you have dare class as a kid? Did I have what dare class? Where they'd come in, the police would come in. Um, it was like an anti-drug class. I don't think so. That doesn't sound familiar. Their main focus when I was a kid was marijuana. Like marijuana was the fucking devil. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like they never mentioned crack. They never mentioned heroin. It was marijuana, dude. That was the gateway drug. And it's ironic now that they're yeah. using marijuana as an exit drug. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. It's wow. wild. I remember they, they, they came in and handed out like a bunch of dare swag. And, exactly uh, what it was. Like it everybody, everybody children. has those old school like dare <laughs> shirts and uh, license yeah. plates and all that stuff. But um, yeah, it was. I remember the cops came in and that's what it was. It was all about just marijuana and that was it. They really didn't go too far into anything else. Um, <laughs> that was about it. Yeah, they're like, if you smoke weed, you will die. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you started to tell us before we hit play on the cameras and mics, but tell us about your life now. I My mean, life now. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's coming together. You know what I mean? One, one day at a time. I, do, I have a full-time job, so the writing is not paying the bills. But, you know, there's no money in poetry. That's what sets a poet free. You know? 
So, um, I do. I work steady. Uh, I got a great guys. I should be listening, actually. A couple of my coworkers have been bragging about it all week. Yeah. But, uh, um, uh, I, I'm happy I got my family back, believe it or not. The main thing out of getting clean, because my whole last year, like I said, I was homeless. I had family around, but they were sick of watching their son, their loved one, their brother kill themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget the first time I seen my niece when I got out of rehab. And it was weird because I saw her with my eyes. You know what I mean? Not a dope sick person's eyes, not a full-blown addict's eyes, my eyes. And that was so refreshing, you know what I mean? So it's the little things you pay attention to, like uh, taking time. When you're a drug addict, there's no time. You just go, 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 you know. And being able to sit down and relax, like on my back porch, I did that the other day when the storm came in. It was amazing because three years ago, I'd never been able to do that. I'd been thinking about the next high, the next hustle, how are you going to get that money? Your mind never stops. So getting a peace of mind is a big part of it, you know what I mean? Wow. That's like, it's so wild to think that like just little things like that are are missed opportunities for for people with this problem i can tell you're a good poet just the way that you are talking (laughs) right yeah the way that you describe that i mean it's just like you know it's it's great i want to sit out on my porch (laughs) yeah it starts to rain (laughs) yeah oh it was awesome i got to watch the storm roll in and i don't live in a nice little neighborhood it's it's not the greatest you know what i mean but it's it's mine it's yours and i for my whole 20s everything i have went in my arm so Mm -hmm. the the fact that i have almost a brand new car you know what i mean my own place a dog and a cat it's it's fantastic you know what i mean yeah it feels good because I've never had that. Yeah. Bills suck. Don't get me wrong. Working yeah, sucks. <laughs> I mean, but that's right part on. of life. Don't you know what up. I mean? Yeah. yeah. Want to be a Toys R Us kid. They, they, <laughs> they robbed us, man. Yeah, dude. It's, uh, I mean, yeah. doesn't matter. You got your own place, all of that stuff. Never shit on that. That's, uh, those are accomplishments that you definitely deserve. Yeah, you know, it might be, a, it might be a turd, but it's my turd. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's mine. <laughs> So what, uh, I guess your, your poetry, what, uh, like, what is it all centered around? Like what, what, what gets you going when you're, when you're thinking about uh, these things? Okay. It's for me, it's hard to write in a happy place. Mm-hmm. Like I've tried to write happy poetry and it's awkward. Like, yeah. you know, that like, weird dude is like flashing a smile at you at the bar. Awkward like that. Yeah. <laughs> like happy don't work. <laughs> and, and like I, and a lot of my stuff, some of it is dark. You know what I mean? But, like, <laughs> it's, it's, but like, I'm not always in a bad mood when I write. Right. It's just, like, sometimes I'll see someone post something on Facebook. I'm like, hey, I can identify with that. And I'll just go yeah. off that emotion. You know what I mean? And, um, well, life, life's not naturally happy. You have to fight for joy every day. And so when you're writing about that, you could, you could write about the actual fight to be happy. But you can't, not everyone's just waking up all the time, like, oh, yeah. You know, I, I hate the posts, the Instagram posts. It's like, here's my coffee cup and I'm reading my book right now and this is a beautiful morning. I'm like, if if you were truly lost in that and were really enjoying it, you wouldn't be taking a picture of it right now. You'd just be doing yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's nice to show it. No, but you're, you're bored. You're fighting to be happy, so you're showing everybody that you're happy. Right. Someone told me the other day, don't chase happiness, chase purpose. And that, mm-hmm. that, that resonated with me. Yeah. And it was funny because it was a drunk guy. <laughs> Dang. Was he smiling at you at the bar? <laughs> no, but I would have let him buy me a drink with that piece of knowledge. We do say some profound things every once in a while. Poetry is what you make it, man. Right? Dude, you look like you could dunk. Do you play basketball? 
No, I'm very uh, tall and for, for no good reason either. I'm terrified of heights. I'm six six. Hate heights. It's God. It's proving God has a sense of humor. Uh, you can like windmill dunk or something. And if you look, I'm like Harry, like a Sasquatch, but I'm bald, dude. Like it's a walking contradiction, like that, like Chris Christopherson song, yeah, the Pilgrim. Partly truth, partly fiction. All the walking hair stopped at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> it just couldn't get up to the top. I was there in high school. It was like the day after 12th grade. It's like, yo, bro, this ain't working. We're out. Peace. And I was like, damn, you could at least kiss me before you fuck me. <laughs> what's, what's, who's the guy um, from uh, the band? Uh, it's a 2000s band. Ray, help me. What's the band's name? The, the Ray is in the band's name. Is uh, it Sugar, Sugar Ray? Ray? Sugar Ray. Thank you. <laughs> who's the guy? Who's the main singer of Sugar Ray? That's who he reminds me of. Mark McGrath. Mark McGrath. How high is that window about the jump? <laughs> I don't know. Just like it'll only break your ankle. Not, not like <laughs> That's enough to piss me off. Mark McGrath, like cool. I guess he was never really cool, but back when he was like, everyone loved him. That's who he reminded me of. Dude, that band was everywhere. Yes, everywhere. everywhere. Complimenting you. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> I might actually have the same bank account as him now. empty. <laughs> <laughs> You could dunk on him. Oh, for Definitely. sure. Definitely. For sure. Oh, man. No, yeah. So I went outside to <laughs> meet him. He comes walking up the steps. I'm three feet tall. He's six foot six. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, hey, man, what's happening? <laughs> I was like, holy shit. This guy's humongous. I came out the first time and there was no down there and I seen a bakery and I was like, what? And I was like, this is a setup. I'm getting robbed. I'm going to my car. <laughs> <laughs> what, what salt me with muffins. The, the sweet shop. Yeah. yeah. I'm standing down oh, in the yeah. cut. I'm like, it don't look good at all. Now they have uh, candy and milkshakes and all kinds of crazy shit down there, man. And me it's standing old, in a corner wild. like, sup? I'm here for the cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, honey, hide the kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you should have just walked in and be like, I'm here for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it. They're closed just, now. Just, so oh, they even they? a little more suspicious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. What kind of differences, I guess, do you see between your first book and your second? A lot more put together. Like yeah. I said, I, I gave myself Learned a deadline. Some shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I stopped trying to be so proper. Like, um, I tried to do proper English in the first book, you know, mm -hmm. all the great enunciations and all that. And I just gave up. I mean, hell, they don't even teach cursive in school anymore. No one's right. worried about, you know, <laughs> exclamation points and all that. But, yeah. uh, it's more me. It's more raw. You know That's I mean? good. Yeah. I like that. One of my favorite books, I... Not, I don't know. I'll say a book I really have enjoyed was Nikki Six's book. Have you ever read Nikki Six? I have not read it, but I did see their documentary. I do the nuts. Dude, it's <laughs> some of the stuff in there. So it's it's just the way he talks. That's the way he writes. Mm -hmm. And it's some of the most wild nonsense that, that he did and he went through. And some of the stories he tells are, are insane, but it's so entertaining because it's it's not like this other voice that he's trying to do. It's just him. I think, I think that's important. Like, yeah, I think it'll be better to you just not being so proper, just using your voice. Yeah. And, uh, like, like I said, I write what I know, you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. and I've had people come down on me for things not going together or free verse, you know, and you just kind of free write and I've gotten better with that. You know what I mean? And a lot of the actual ending, a lot of the new stuff, I've been adding to the second book is stuff like that, you know, more just like, like I said, raw, straight, going from mine to pay in, you know, paper or whatever, you know, so, well, actually, cell phone, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone uses notebooks anymore. I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> in my office, I have, like, a stack of notebooks. I just, 
Yeah. Is it, is it songs? No. I just, Ideas. I write lists. Do like, you pull it out constantly. of a Jan Sports book bag, too? <laughs> I do have a Jan Sports book bag. <laughs> That's what's up, though, bro. That's what's up. I got the three ring. I got the three ring. The coolest kid on the fucking hallway. Yeah. Remember, the, remember the book uh, covers? Those, like, stretchy book covers? Did you ever use those? Oh, yeah, the sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, we started with paper book covers. You had to have your book covered. And then they came out with those cool, like, stretchy sleeves that would go around. That's because everyone used to graffiti on the covers yes. of the books. I just started doing it in the books to, like, the pictures. It was You've got to give them, like, little <laughs> captions and stuff. It's amazing. But you thought, like, you were going to use that book for the rest of your life. You know, you're like, oh, I have this English book from ninth grade. I have to protect this. <laughs> Mine's gone. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't, I, mean, know, I don't even the, know where my diploma is anymore. <laughs> I don't know where mine is yeah. either. <laughs> The writing style, like, I, I feel that's, like, a definite positive thing because even in, like, my video work and stuff like that, if we write scripts uh, for, like, companies and stuff like that, it always starts out very proper, very this and that. And then, uh, you know, whoever's doing the voiceover, whether it's me or whether I send it out to get read, I change everything. And it, <laughs> it just goes how I would say it. Or if I have people delivering lines, I'm just like, say it the way you would say it. Not like, the cat is climbing the balcony. It's like, the cat's climbing the balcony. Like, it's, <laughs> that's how you would say it. You, yeah. you know, you don't say everything so, you know. Proper, proper yeah. Oh, the half the kids today don't even use real words. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bussin. <laughs> like what we were talking about, like how you how it naturally flows. Perfect example of that in my eyes would be the Madonna speech from Reservoir Dogs. Did you ever see it? <laughs> I've seen the movie. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's yeah. just it's, it's it's real. It's it's you can see people at a diner having that conversation. You know, I mean, maybe not that specific conversation, right. but <laughs> well, I think really good writers, like those type of writers, can create the character through the voice that they're creating for them. So like they each have different ways of talking. Like mm -hmm. you're. You know, I could talk the way I would, or I could write the way I want to talk because I know me. But really good writers could be like, okay, I want this. Put person. yourself in someone else's perspective. Yes, yes. I yeah. want, very true, I want very Angela true. to say it like this, and then you know, you you all of a sudden know who Angela is just by the way that Angela's talking. Yeah, she sounds like a prude. <laughs> yep, <laughs> she is. That's what I was going for. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, exactly what you mean. You know what I mean? Like I've I've done quite a few short stories, and sometimes it's the psychology of a character is sometimes more important than a dialogue because like if you understand the character's mindset you understand their actions yeah. you know what yeah. i mean like um a desperate man will do desperate things you know what i mean so if mm -hmm. you set a character up to be that way you obviously know what when he's faced with something he's gonna do what a normal desperate person would do in that situation so like even back to the addiction you know i could touch on that a lot in my poems you know being desperate uh depraved doing things like that you connect to those emotions and uh, but bringing that back to a character full round, you know what I mean? Um, like I said, sometimes the psychology in a character is more important. But you, you know what I mean? I follow you what you're talking about. Yeah. So. Yeah. I was going somewhere with that, but I lost it. <laughs> I think you said it well. No, yeah. you, you started by saying <laughs> the, the mindset, and that's true. Yeah. It, we're, we live mostly in our minds, and more so than talking. I just recently found out some people don't have an inner dialogue. Could you imagine how boring that would be? Really? Really? Yeah, right? I, I read that on a, stop. a study. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, could you imagine just like sitting or twiddling your thumbs in your head, no voice or nothing? Oh god, uh, I have to tell myself to shut up all the time. Yeah, I know it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. I got the four non-blondes lyrics. What's up, stuck in my head? 
I'm like, dude, why? Just why? <laughs> He's like, well, you decided to stop doing drugs. I'm like, yeah, you got me there. <laughs> Have you ever thought about maybe taking uh, any of your writing abilities and, and trying to do, like, what if somebody needed uh, help maintaining, like, a blog or something for a website? What if, uh, like, mm. companies around here, like, you know, wanted to maintain a blog but don't have anybody there that can do it um like freelancing stuff yeah oh i'd be completely down with that you know what i mean i don't know if anyone would really want to hear my opinion on things but you know yeah i mean like so say like a client sends you a you know a list of like a topic uh and then they send you a list of things that you know points that they need you to hit oh yeah you just like put it together and i mean like when i worked in lancaster we had a we had a writer that that's what he did and we would have him do our blog posts um we would have him do our scripts uh he worked for other companies and he would do blogs um he got on like upwork and yeah he would do i was writing. gonna suggest that yeah he would do writing for you know what upwork is a whole bunch of i do not actually yeah it's like a website where you um you put yourself on there it's like a, you put your own profile on there oh, okay. and then people from all over just reach out to you and say hey i just need this job this blog done and they kind of hire you freelance style so you, you're just available to anybody and they offer you jobs and you just take them as you want to take them see i did not know that but yeah, yeah like what i said with, this, with wherever the writing takes me i would love to you know what i yeah. mean because i just enjoy doing it you know what i mean and I've never actually been given, like uh, like how you said they give you points they want you to hit. I've never yeah. been given a guideline like that, but that could be fun. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. You think we could, do you have like a, a writing sample or something? Uh, not, not, not on you, but I mean, no. it doesn't have to be now, but I'm just saying like maybe, we, maybe oh, I got, a local like, could post. Uh, like, a ton, of, course. ton of stuff. Here's, here's, a like ton a, of stuff. here's like a, you know, from Arthur, here's a, a sample and people yeah. could see that and be like, oh, I want to reach out to Arthur. Yeah. Right, yeah. A ton of stuff, actually. I mean, I, I also build websites, uh, for clients and stuff like that. And some people want blogs and, you know, we're sitting there talking like, yeah, blog is a way to keep fresh things going on on your website, but people don't want to take the time to do that. Yeah. So if they, you know, pay somebody a, a fee of like, you know, X amount of dollars per week to, you know, just write a short blog post or whatever, that's, you know, that's what we did when I worked at the, my previous company. See, that's what's up. Can't go wrong so, there. Yeah. It's awesome, man. There's opportunities all over the place. That's like, it's, I think it's like really fun. One of my favorite quotes is that you are the average of the, the five people that you hang around. So it's just like, you know, when you put yourself into a group of people that, you know, are all about, uh, you know, business and kind of getting opportunities, making money, bettering yourself, all that stuff. Um, you'll start to, you'll start to do that stuff too. And it's just like, you know, those are the those are the kind of people that I try and situate myself around. No, and that's very true. Like, yeah. uh, I, my circle was literally gone so since I got out of rehab, down yeah. from 10 people to a dog, a cat, and two kittens. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's probably good for right now. Yeah. I, it is. You know what I mean? And I got my coworkers or some of my close friends, you know what I mean? But um, I'm, just, I, I'm just saying it's probably good to eliminate some of those people. Oh, of course. Of course. 100%. A lot of people, it's weird because once you start doing better in life, people start to really hate on you. You know what I mean? Like, I've learned that. You know, yeah. People that I thought were been my friends the rest of my life, I don't even talk to now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, um, just through knowing Jordan and being on here, I've just been exposed to so many 
so many uh, business owners, so many people who have opened up all these opportunities for me and none of it is my success. Like anything that I do, I've, I've side stuff that I do and any of it has just been through references or people seeing like talking, helping me out. And so you just having a certain skill level that you have, you have that and then it just gets, word gets around and people yeah. care about you and say, hey, you should, you should hire Arthur for this thing. And like, that's, that's that what the avenue you should look to. And I think you could. See, and that was one of the reasons I wanted to do this, get my name out there, put my word out yeah. there, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll check into that. What's it called? Up, Upwork. Upwork. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, that Upwork's cool. It, um, I think that'll give you a, a more wide net to cast, um, you know, over the internet and stuff. I like think there's also Fiverr. Is that another one? Fiverr is another one. You'll yeah, have to look into that. Because the, the book I did or the books I'm doing are through Amazon self-publishing, you know what I mean? So yeah. they go straight yeah. to the Kindle once they're done, which is cool because, you know, they go straight for sale like in three days once yeah. you're done with them. So that's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, I would like to get my name. You know what I mean? Because that's what it's all about, expanding. You find, like I said, don't live for happiness, live for purpose. Yeah. And it's kind of with the writing, you know what I mean? I love doing it. It gives me some kind of purpose. Like I said, right. the first time I had someone reach out to me, they're like, hey, that really, you know, affected me. I was I was like, oh, really? And it yeah. made me feel good, you know what I mean? That my words were able to help someone, you know what I mean? Or even make them not feel alone for 20 minutes, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what it's about, you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, this whole podcast was based on the idea that I would get to network with people and get to know people and, uh, you know, without having to wake up early and go to network meetings. <laughs> I, I hate waking up early. So it worst, just, uh, you know, I think it's a great, I think it's a great thing. Like, I mean, even now, like today, I, I can sit there and say after today that when I go to a client meeting... I know a writer and <laughs> he could be doing this, this and that easily for you. Yeah. And you know, if that's the thing, like if you want to hire him on, you know, we do that on a freelance basis or whatever. So it's just like, that's what this is all about. It's just like, you know, and, talking. Like, and like you said, you got a different social network and mm -hmm. all this thing started opening up for you. And that's, that's what it is, man. You surround yourself with the energy you want to be around yeah. and it comes, you know what I mean? There's a saying for it. Uh, what is it? It's going to drive me crazy. Damn. Write about it. Yeah. Oh, he'll come to you one day. I'll <laughs> if be in you the got it, they will come. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> something like that. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Saw it in a movie one time. <laughs> <laughs> I like that line. I might take that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I'll have to think of some people, too, to, to connect you with. Yeah. I appreciate it. I it's, mean. And, like, I recently met, you guys remember the X-Men cartoon from the 90s? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I yeah. just got to meet the two writers from that. They were at the local Comic Con because I do security for oh, them. Oh, wow. And, uh, and they were coming into the back room. And uh, Disney's bringing that cartoon back, believe it or not. Really? But they're executive producers now. And they gave me their card. They're like, oh, send us something. And then there's me, like, terrified. I'm like, I can't bother these people. <laughs> nah, dude. Do, do it. it. Do it. But do it. That's, do it. They were cool. They were, they were really sweet. I was like, your cartoon taught me so much back in the day. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, about like segregation and hatred. Yeah. Because they, they did. They treated the mutants like they were second-class citizens in that show. Right. And they did it in a way as for a kid, you understood how wrong it was. Right. To hate someone because they're different. And I really appreciated the writing. And I was like, out of all the celebrities that are at this Comic-Con, I was like, you two are the ones who made the most impact on my life. Yeah. And they were like blown away. And it was because of their writing. You know what I mean? And uh, to get that reaction out of someone, I would, one day would love to have someone walk up to me and say that, you know, right, I mean? yeah. 
But uh, I thought, you know, that was a good way to network. You said networking, you know, and of course. what made me think about it. But you, uh, you should write, you should write kids' books. <laughs> Hold on, hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> All right. First off, you have a great world perspective. Okay. But <laughs> the best, real? the yeah. best kind of kids' books are the ones that don't aren't teaching the kids; they're actually teaching the parents that are reading to them, so they know how to interact with the child better. So, oh. like you're talking about you're learning about segregation and treating people differently. Well, you could write, you know, it's a kid's book. So kids like the colors and the, you know, the, the soft writing and all that kind of stuff. But really you're teaching about how the parent is supposed to teach the kid that that's a wrong thing. Oh yeah. So you have yeah. a really good perspective. Uh, just an idea. It take, is an idea. Take. I like that. Thank you. Maybe feel better about myself. <laughs> it doesn't happen too often. Yeah. I would definitely uh, take them up on their offer. Definitely just shoot them something. Even if it's just you know? to send it in, you know what I mean? They say, hey, thanks. Who are you again? That's right. cool. Yeah, at Anything. least, I, you know, uh, what Wayne Gretzky say, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yep. Great quote. <laughs> like the uh, Adam I had on yesterday to talk about the Music Fest, he, uh, he, you know, was sitting there. We were chatting about, uh, you know, applying for jobs and stuff like that. And he was talking about, uh, you know, some some jobs and stuff when he first moved here from Chicago that um, he himself just kind of felt like maybe he wasn't uh, qualified to take or whatever, but someone that he had met here, um, you know, a community member was just like, dude, no, you should definitely, you know, apply for these jobs and stuff. And he ended up getting one of the jobs that he applied for. And, and he's, mm -hmm. you know, he's doing great things for the community now. See, so that's what's up. Yeah. Sometimes you got to take that leap of faith. Take the risk. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, personally, I would like to hear some from someone like you way more than just someone who, you know, is kind of vanilla and <laughs> been writing for a long time. But you have a I keep saying this. You have a different perspective that's really mm -hmm. refreshing that people uh, want to hear. Uh, Tom Waits said it the best that bad poetry is killing America. And it kind of is. You know what I mean? People's shitty perspectives. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what it is. You know, like, uh. Who said it the best? George Carlin said it when he goes on stage that he's not out there to make people think. He's out there just to let him know he thinks. You know what I mean? And that's kind of how I do the poetry. I'm not there to make someone feel something. I'm letting you know I feel something. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if it reaches people, that's what's up. You know what I mean? That's the goal, I guess, in the long run. You know, but. That's awesome. You got, a, you got a lot of quotes. I was going to say, there. we have thrown out so many quotes this, uh, this podcast. This is probably the most we've ever thrown out. <laughs> That's awesome. Child of divorce, man. The TV raised me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> People long for, you know, million-dollar houses. I long for the time when WWF superstars sang their own theme songs. Oh, my God. <laughs> I used to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like watching Shawn Michaels come to the ring, sing himself to down the aisle. Like, come on, man. That's awesome. <laughs> so as far as your books go... Um, do you plan when? When do you think you plan on uh, the second one? Publishing the second. Uh, hopefully, in like two months. Two and months. Because I mean, like, I've been working like sixty hours a week, and at the moment, I do not have my own laptop, so I go yeah. to the public library. <laughs> right so on. it's all kind of like you know, as I go at the moment. Yeah. So, but the work. Uh, I usually do them on Sundays. Like I work for like an hour or two on writing, and then put it together and see where it goes. But like, you know how you said when you write a script, you go back and you rewrite pretty much everything? Mm -hmm. I'm the king of that. By the yeah, time one poem's finally finished, there's like one original line in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. You gotta go back and just revise, revise, revise. Oh, dude, I am the worst. People are like, just stop. Just put it out. Yeah. It's fine. I'm like, eh, 
it could be better, right? Like, there, like Dr. Dre. <laughs> he will not put anything out. <laughs> there is there is like fighting for perfection and then there is good enough. Yeah. Like, you know, you kind of have to you have to stop yourself somewhere in between. Um, it's a very hard battle. It really is. It is. Because uh, <laughs> a lot of people never reach perfection. So, no. And you waste a lot of time getting there. And, like, uh, people always went to mountaintop. Like, everyone's like, oh, what's your goal with the writing? To be successful, yeah, you know what I mean? But, like, I'm not trying to, like, I, I'm, I'm a realist, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I know it's not going to blow up and, like, you know, I'll be living in Hollywood, you know what I mean? Also, I'm uh, mature enough to realize the mountaintop's not feasible. It's cool to visit every once in a while, but to live at the mountaintop of the mountain, it's just not, you know, not real. Right. So you got to keep your goals realistic as well. I would say, just from what I've heard, from you, you, you're very successful, extremely <laughs> successful. Just from just from this forty, mi- 40 minutes of listening to you talk, 100%. I mean, that is thank you. You you have some probably willpower that I will never have, <laughs> never it, have. It's it, see like, the willpower thing to me. I think it just kind of comes naturally. Um, I like I know what it's like to have nothing. You know what I mean? I for like I said, the whole last year of my addiction was homeless, like living in abandoned houses, and now that I have something to lose, I fight harder. You know what I mean? Yeah, it might sound crazy or barbaric, but you know what I mean. No. I now know what it's like to have something to lose. Yeah, so it makes me try that much harder. You know what I mean? It's awesome. I, I feel like you're, you are successful, like Ryan said, and I feel like you're going to be tremendously even more successful because I feel like if you take the energy and that that fight that you had that you got over your addiction and you apply that to other things like taking your writing to the next level taking that making it a career things like that and you apply that same fight it's sky's the fucking limit exactly that's it and uh that's like i said i do work i work 60 hours a week i worked 10 and a half hours before i came here today yeah yeah and uh wasn't sure i was gonna make it i flew here (laughs) (laughs) um like you gotta be realistic about it i do want to write i want to make it work for me but i can't you know, overwhelm myself. Like, this is where it's going to be. Everything, I'm putting all my effort into writing. And I would love to get at that point, you know what I mean, where I could just be like, you know what? I can quit my job. I'm going to write. But, like I said, I'm a realist, and I know it's going to take work to get there. So sure. you got to put the work in. Hard work does pay off. And like I said, as long as you're doing the simplest thing as doing what you're supposed to be doing, everything kind of falls together. So I figure I got this far with how I've been doing it. I'll keep my speed up, you know, I'll keep doing things like this, trying to find places to go with it, and, you know, the sky's the limit, man. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Hey, man, I want to thank you for coming in. I feel like this was a very enlightening conversation. Anytime, really, man, anytime. Really motivating, uh, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> I, I feel like I need to work a little harder. Maybe <laughs> I mean, a kick like, in the pants there. Really, yeah. I mean, it just, uh, you know. I, they always say like don't get comfortable i i, I feel like i'm a little comfortable right now i need to <laughs> i need to work a little harder well, there's a difference between being comfortable where you're at and being lazy you know what yeah I mean? if you work to get where you're at i feel like i'm on the it. verge of being lazy <laughs> hey but that's accountability man accountability right? is a lot of it you know what i mean yeah <laughs> i think if any listeners are out there put this put this camera on me Many listeners are out there. You, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Camera one, look at me. If you have an extra laptop, get this guy a laptop. Right. Like you just have one sitting around. He doesn't have a laptop. He's a writer. Give him a laptop. So reach out to us. Give us give a laptop. I'm working on it. Okay, there you go. Sweetheart. Reach I'm out to Jordan. Working on it. 
Reach out to Jordan. Help, <laughs> help your community. Help. Yep. Help Arthur. So, uh, yeah, dude. Um, what Ryan said, if anybody wants to uh, donate a laptop, that would be amazing. Um, that would be truly awesome. That would be amazing. Yeah. Like, on a whole nother level. No one ever gives me anything, you know what I mean? I have to work for it all. Child of divorce, like I said. Yeah. <laughs> you're fighting for attention. You're fighting for two Christmases. Right. It's the worst, man. I just I just told you, like, you get into certain um, environments like this, and mm-hmm. people just, just there's just good people out there. They, they watch this. They want to help. People yeah. have reached out to me and said, hey, here's an opportunity, just from watching episodes of this, and that's... It's unreal. See, and that's what's up. There are good people left, you know what I mean? I know they're far and few between, and we definitely live in the me-first generation, but that's what makes them people you find that much better. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I, Not everyone's lost their soul yet, you know what I mean? Not yet. <laughs> Soon. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> All right, bro. <laughs> thank, thank you, you for coming in, dude. I really hope you yeah, had a good time you. on here. It, did, man, it was us. a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Both All of right. you guys, yeah. for real. To the local. A 724 podcast. In three, two, one.